Let me just eliminate all of the white noise for They're you. They're counting on you not understanding what this is all about. They want to create conflict. They want to create this chaos. They want you to be stupid. This is the Conservative Daily Podcast with Joe Waldman. Yeah, I'm a threat because I'm telling you what the Constitution says. And Max McGuire. The flak is the heaviest when the bomber is right above the target about to open the bomb bay doors. And now the Conservative Daily Podcast is on the air. Welcome back to another edition of the Conservative Daily Podcast. My name is Max McGuire. Happy Thursday, one day away from the weekend. Again, if anyone has plans, let me know in the comment section what those plans are so I can live vicariously through all of your much more interesting lives. Going to dive into the Kyle Rittenhouse trial today. It is in day three right now. We do have a live stream, so we will go to that probably at some point just to check and see if anything interesting is happening during it. But over the last three days, there's been a few developments that are worth worth talking about. And actually, in the last 24 hours, something really important just happened. A juror got tossed off the jury. So if you put up my screen, Mr. Producer, juror number seven. Juror number seven made a joke. Not in the courthouse as he was being escorted to his car. He made a joke about Jacob Blake. Jacob Blake was the, uh, the criminal who was shot by police after he attempted to force his way inside of a house where there was a restraining order against him. The juror, juror number seven, joked. He said, why did it take seven shots to shoot Jacob Blake? And the punchline apparently was, the police ran out of bullets. So the judge heard this. The prosecutors heard this fourth hand. So not even third, third, third party, from a fourth party. Told it to the judge. The judge brought the juror in to explain himself himself and the juror responded that yes he did say that and the judge kicked him off for the appearance of bias now why would that be the appearance of bias well apparently the prosecution argued that him joking about a different case a police use of force um, case in a different incident could prejudice him in this use of force incident so the juror did everything he could to to push back and say no this doesn't prejudice me on this case it's about a different case i am more than capable of of being fair in this case, but the judge disagreed. He said that it created, at the very least, the appearance of impropriety. So they kicked juror number seven off, which is bad because it's very clear from that language that juror number seven was more inclined, most likely, to side with Kyle Rittenhouse. Now, this is the this is the ridiculous part when they when they put Black Lives Matter activists onto um, onto juries, they're able to be there. Everyone knows they're there. They don't apologize for their inner beliefs, but they're allowed to stay. But this guy makes a joke, albeit a bad taste joke, about a completely different case, and he gets kicked off like that. This comes on the news of, of other um, developments on, in jury selection a couple of days ago. There were conservatives, conservatives who opted out of serving on the jury by telling the judge and the prosecutors during jury selection that they be, that they are a little bit too supportive of the right to defend yourself and that that might prejudice them. Just think about that. You had patriots, people who believed in the second amendment wholeheartedly and they opted out themselves. I'm, I'm getting more nervous day by day. Obviously we're going to talk about the trial. <clears throat> the trial is, seems to be going pretty well for Rittenhouse so far. It hasn't really been any earth shattering events. And as we're about to show the FBI got caught withholding, uh, video footage claiming that they lost it 
and then refinding it. So the FBI had a plane in the sky. Some people have rep reported that it was a drone, but I believe that one of the witnesses was actually called to testify was on the plane. So whether a plane, drone, helicopter, they had aerial footage of the riot and it had been kept a secret until now. And that aerial footage does exonerate Rittenhouse. It proves that he was being chased. He was being attacked. We're going to play that in a little bit. I get nervous, though, when ju with jury selection. Obviously, you just need one juror to stop a guilty verdict. But if you want to be acquitted, you need to have at least enough jurors on that in that jury pool who will at least be sympathetic to the idea that a kid is being chased by an adult who we now know it was a child abuser in a dark parking lot and defended himself. So I get nervous when I, when I see that conservatives are opting out of the jury. I can't imagine why anyone would do that. I get it. People don't want to serve on juries. Fine. But this is an important case. This is very, very important. And for them to opt out. And now for this jury, if you're going to serve on a case, you don't make jokes. You don't make jokes. So yeah, now one juror is gone. They're going to go the alternate. I don't, we don't know who got picked as an alternate to fill in for juror number seven, who was just kicked off. But I hope, I hope that person is going to give him a fair shake. So we're going to get through all of this footage today. Um, play, play the new footage, play some of the recent developments from court. Why don't we start with the new footage? So we've played the different footage of Rittenhouse running, right? That, that famous shot from across the street of the car dealership him running into the parking lot being chased by Rittenhouse. Someone throws something at him. You can see a gunshot off in the distance. And then a couple seconds later, a shot rings out and Rosenbaum is killed, shot dead. We now have aerial footage from the FBI, which, listen, the FBI claims that they don't monitor Black Lives Matter protests. How did there just happen to be FBI aerial surveillance? How did that just happen to be there? Hey, come on. They say they don't keep tabs of Antifa or Black Lives Matter, but they just conveniently had aerial video shots from above this riot because it re realized at this point this was declared a riot. It was declared an unlawful assembly. But the FBI had that footage and they never released it. They never released it. So they let the public get a partial view of this case. They let the, the potential jurors already make up their mind. And then at trial, they dropped footage that if it had been shown the whole time, there might not have even been a trial. That's how explosive this is. So we're going to play it. We'll probably end up playing it twice. And I didn't edit this. This is the entirety of, uh, of it as it was released. So viewer discretion obviously advised this does include footage of what ends up being a self-defense killing. Just want to warn you that. But I want to play this so we can see the aerial footage. You can see exactly what's going on. And Mr. Producer, when you play this, make sure that you you turn up my volume so that I can talk over as, as quickly as you can. Let's go ahead and play this cut number one. So you can see here that this footage actually includes a circle around Rittenhouse so you can see who he is in this footage. And he just shouted out, does anybody need medical? Medical. He's walking around asking if anyone needs medical attention. Again, that destroys the narrative that he was there to riot. Anybody need medical? You can see up ahead, there's Rosenbaum in a circle. 
Now again, this isn't the best footage. We, do, we don't get to Yeah, they definitely need that trash can to put their garbage out. Oh, he's blocking the road. So here's the aerial footage. This was missing. Lost, allegedly. And they just found it just in time for the actual trial. Rittenhouse shouts, anybody need medical again? He shouts it again. There's the Minsky's. That's the guy who fired the so-called warning shot. Rosenbaum's right next to him. Here it comes. Rosenbaum starts running. And someone shouts, let's get him. Rose Rittenhouse says, friendly, friendly, friendly. They square off right there at the cars. He's getting circling around him. Josh Minsky says, you won't do shit, mother effer. Right there. Let's pause it. So this is a big deal. And it's hard to kind of see with the footage. But I want to explain what we just saw. We saw Rittenhouse walking down the street asking if anyone needs medical attention. That that cuts a complete hole in the prosecution's narrative that he traveled across state lines with a firearm to riot. We literally have him on camera shouting, anybody need medical immediately before he was accosted. At some point, he gets he gets to this he gets to this gas station. I'm sorry, uh, gas station, the car dealership, whatever it was. He gets to this lot, and you can see there at the end, he starts getting circled by all the players involved, Rosenbaum and Zeminski. He gets circled. At that point, one of them shouts, "Let's get him! Let's get him!" Zeminski, Zeminski is the guy who fired that, that third-party warning, warning shot. Remember how we, how we showed in previous episodes that there was another person involved who actually opened fire with a gun before Rittenhouse was forced to defend himself? That guy's name was Zeminski. We now hear from this footage, never before shown, that the FBI has just been holding out on us. They lost it. That Zeminski said, you're not going to do shit, mother effer. So that's the guy who fired the quote-unquote warning shot. And as we're about to see, it wasn't a warning shot. It was a shot in Rittenhouse's direction. You can tell that from the actual muzzle blast. So there's a guy saying, let's get him. Rittenhouse offering medical attentions. They start circling around him. He runs away. And you can see from that actual footage that he, that he actually got cornered. He got cornered into an area where there was nowhere left to run. And only then did he open fire. This was all missing. They, they didn't show this. They could have exonerated him months ago with this footage. But the FBI sat on it. And when the prosecutor was asked at trial why this didn't come out, the prosecutor said, well, we don't own the FBI. We don't, get, we don't control them. This is a case where a, a 17-year-old is on trial. I think he's actually 18 now. But this, this kid, this man, is on trial, potentially to go away for the rest of his life life in prison he's on trial and the fbi oh we, well we couldn't release this footage mr uh we couldn't release this uh your honor because the fbi 
they, we don't we don't control them. Obviously, they got the footage in time for trial. So obviously, the FBI was willing to hand it over at some point, but they deliberately made sure, deliberately made sure that it did not see the light of day. I want to play this. This is Tucker Carlson's take on it. Mr. Producer, let's play cut number two. That's why I have my rifle because I need to protect myself, obviously. But I also have my med kit. Earlier that day, Rittenhouse volunteered to remove graffiti from Ruther Central High School in Kenosha. That was the day. And then night came. Kyle Rittenhouse found himself in downtown Kenosha in the middle of a riot. He wound up face to face with a convicted child molester called Joseph Rosenbaum. Rosenbaum was there protesting on behalf of BLM. Apparently, he was committing arson. What happened next between the two of them is graphic, but if you want to understand how Joseph Rosenbaum died that night, it's important to see it. Here it is. Joseph Rosenbaum is seen starting more fires. Around that same time, Kyle Rittenhouse is spotted running with a fire extinguisher. With his face concealed, Rosenbaum emerges, chasing after Rittenhouse. A single gunshot is fired by a protester, identified as Alexander Blaine. From this angle, we see the muzzle flash of Blaine's handgun. Seconds later, Kyle Rittenhouse is pinned between parked cars. Directly in front of Rittenhouse, armed with bats and other weapons, a mob is forming a barricade. With no way out and no way to know who fired that shot, Rittenhouse turns to face Rosenbaum. Kyle Rittenhouse fired four shots. Seconds later, three additional shots are fired by an unknown shooter. One bullet grazed Joseph Rosenbaum's head. Another penetrated his right groin, his left thigh, and his back. With a total of eight shots fired, it remains unclear that all four of Rosenbaum's wounds were caused by Rittenhouse. So, to restate what we know, Kyle Rittenhouse fired four shots initially that night. Another four were fired. We still don't know who fired them all. No one else has been arrested or charged. At this point, the mob turns on Kyle Rittenhouse. They assault him. It's clear they plan to kill him. Kyle Rittenhouse runs. They follow. Rittenhouse trips and falls. They attack him. He shoots. It's all on video. Watch. It's, it's cut and dry. And, and, I, and I, I mistook the, the shooter, the person who opened fire. Apparently, his last name is Blaine. Uh, I mis, mistook that other name on that screen. He was just one of the other people in the mob who was trying to kill Rittenhouse. He didn't have a gun. I guess he had a bat or something. But you can see from the footage, the, the altercation. And, and, and this is why it's important. When you know that Rosenbaum was starting fires and you see the footage right before right before the first shooting that Rittenhouse was running over with a fire extinguisher, you can start to understand why Rosenbaum attacked him, right? Why the mob attacked him. You see, you can't have 17 year old kid or anyone for that matter, putting out your fires. You don't want that. So they want to kill him. Someone shouted, let's get him. That MF -er isn't going to do anything. They chased him down. They chased him down into a parking lot. They cornered him. And as you just saw from that Tucker Carlson footage, or heard from that Tucker Carlson footage, it wasn't just Rosenbaum. It was the third party firing the shot at him, and then the, uh, the other third party who fired three or four more shots later, and the others who were coming up behind Rosenbaum with bats, clubs, other weapons. 
trying to barricade Rittenhouse in. By definition, he had every right to open fire. This podcast is sponsored by Air Med Care Network, the premier insurance plan to cover you and your household should any of you suffer a medical emergency and need to be airlifted to a hospital. We don't get to choose when a disaster strikes. You don't get to choose how you get taken to the hospital. Anyone who has been taken to a hospital or has a loved one who's gone to a hospital by ambulance, you know it's very expensive and you know insurance won't usually cover it. Well, when you have to be airlifted by a helicopter, it's much more expensive. And yeah, insurance won't cover that either. Air Med Care Network exists to make sure you don't risk bankruptcy in the event that someone in your house has to be airlifted to a hospital for medical treatment. So when you sign up at the link in our description, airmedcarenetwork.com forward slash daily and use promo code daily, not only are they going to give you coverage for your entire household for one year for $85, but they're also going to give you money back up to 50 bucks, depending on how many years you sign up for. So again, that's airmedcarenetwork.com forward slash daily and use promo code daily to get up to $50 back. By definition, he had every right to open fire. If we put up image number seven, Mr. Producer, I'm going to hammer this home because I have to. A person is privileged to threaten or intentionally use force against another for the purpose of preventing or terminating what the person reasonably believes to be an unlawful interference with his or her person by such other person. The, act, the actor may intentionally use only such force or threat thereof as the actor reasonably believes is necessary to prevent or terminate the interference. The actor may not intentionally use force which is intended to likely ca to cause death or great bodily harm unless the actor reasonably believes that such force is necessary to prevent imminent death or great bodily harm to himself or herself. So in the state of Wisconsin, if you believe reasonably, you, you reasonably believe, that's important, you reasonably believe that someone else intends to do great bodily harm or to kill you, you have the right to use deadly force. If we go to the next image, Ms. Brewster, image number eight. I said this last time, even if, even if Rittenhouse was breaking the law, which I contend he was not, even if he was breaking the law and he was in illegal possession of that gun, he still had the right to defend himself. I'll read it here. It's a little bit, it's a little bit wordy, but I'll read it here. A person who engages in unlawful conduct of a type likely to provoke others to attack him or her, and thereby does provoke an attack, is not entitled to claim the privilege of self-defense. Now, liberals stop there against such an attack, except when the attack which ensues is, is a type causing the person engaging in the unlawful conduct to reasonably, reasonably believe that he or she is in imminent danger of death or bodily harm. In such a case, the person engaging in the unlawful conduct is privileged to act in self-defense, but the person is not privileged to resort to the use of force intended to, or likely to cause death to the person's assailant unless the person reasonably, reasonably believes he or she has exhausted every other reasonable means of escape, to escape from or otherwise avoid death or great bodily harm at the hands of his or her assailant. Put this in generally. We take it down. If you are a citizen and you fear that your life is in danger, you have the right to use deadly force. If you happen to be breaking any law, your, your self-defense rights do not disappear. Your self-defense rights still exist. You can use self-defense but you can only use lethal self-defense means if you try to escape and your escape is cut off or you realize it's impossible to escape. And the only way to, uh, to prevent death or serious bodily harm is to use deadly force. So even, even if Rittenhouse was breaking the law by possessing the gun, which I don't believe, but there is an argument to it. Even if it, he was in unlawful 
possession of that firearm. The minute that Rosenbaum and the mob came up around him, the minute that someone fired a shot at him, the minute that someone shouted, let's get him, he had the right and he ran. He followed the statute, whether he knew it or not, he followed the statute to the letter. He ran. And as we saw from that FBI aerial footage, he only opened fire when he was cornered and he saw the mob was circling around him. Textbooked, test, textbook self-defense, even if he was, in unlawful, uh, he was unlawfully possessing the gun, which isn't even a sure thing, but even if he still had the right to do everything that he did. And I want to break down a part of this because we don't talk about this too much, but the key words here, reasonably believes. This is this might seem like an oxymoron, but if he reasonably believes that he is in imminent bodily harm, this, this is where I think the left loses this. Re, the reasonability standard, that's objective, right? That's either true or false. It either is reasonable or is not reasonable. The belief part, that is subjective. He has the right to believe it. And you don't have the right to come in at the end with a dictionary and say, well, actually, he didn't have the right to believe that. That's subjective. That's his interpretation. The reason, reasonableness, that's set in statute, whether it is or is not reasonable. So when you look at that, the question is, there's two questions. The, did Kyle Rittenhouse, was it, was it possible for him to believe it? And was it reasonable? Did he believe it? And was it reasonable for him to believe it? He contends that he believed he was at risk of death or serious bodily harm. They brought forward witnesses. The prosecution brought forward witnesses who talked to him immediately after the shooting. And, and they testified in open court that when he called them, he said, I had to do it. It was self-defense. So right there, you've introduced evidence, not proving, but, but really supporting the notion that he had to do it. You see the video evidence that he was being circled. They were circling around him. He believed he had to do it. Was it reasonable for him to believe that? Was it reasonable for a 17-year-old kid being chased by a convicted child abuser, who he didn't know at the time, but still, being chased into a parking lot with the mob surrounding him, carrying bats and clubs, with another shot ringing out in his direction? Was it reasonable for him to believe that? Yes, it was. He believed it, and it was reasonable. That should be the case closed. But that's the first shooting. That's the first shooting. Every other shooting. All, all the other interactions that extend from that depend on whether the first shooting was justified. If the first shooting was justified, then there isn't any argument against Rittenhouse or any of the other ones. But if they get him on murder for the first one, then the prosecution can come in and argue that everyone who was trying to kill him subsequently was actually trying to just execute a uh, citizen's arrest. That's what they'll claim. So if they, if they can get him on the first shooting, then they believe they can get him on the other ones. But as we just showed, He's, he's innocent. He's absolutely innocent. If we go ahead, go to my screen, Mr. Producer. Going to take a quick break to remind everyone, new shirts just dropped on the Conservative Daily Store. This was a collaboration between me and Joe the, on this shirt. The, the slavery t-shirt, communist vaccine slavery t-shirt. It is a hammer and sickle, but instead of a hammer, it is a syringe. And underneath it just says slavery. So if you want to pick up this shirt, you can find it at store.conserve-daily.com or using the link in our description. So I, I guess we can, we can go through the video again. Um, we can go through the video again uh, of Rittenhouse. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull it down and actually put it up on my screen. We don't need to play the audio of it. 
but I'll t- I'll talk over it and uh, and and play. So the the first one, pretty clearly self defense. They chased after him. They said, "Let's get him." This is what happened afterwards, and I'll go ahead and narrate this. We don't need to really listen to it. It's just a bunch of screaming anyway. So he's running down the road. You can see him running down the road right here. Make this a little bit bigger. Someone then tries to sucker punch him. The crowd continues to follow him. He trips and falls right there, and then they jump on him. One, two, three, four. Four people tried to attack him on the ground. And the fourth one tried to do it twice. So the question, the question, did those people have the right to attack Kyle Rittenhouse? Did they have the right to attack Kyle Rittenhouse? We can take down my screen. The same statute applies. Even if he murdered Rosenbaum, which the evidence does not show that he murdered Rosenbaum. If he had chased Rosenbaum into that parking lot, it'd be one thing. But he was chased. He was cornered. The mob was circling around him. Someone else fired in his direction, and he only opened fire on Rosenbaum four times. He didn't empty his mag. He opened fire four times when he was cornered. And the argument that he had no right to fear for his life is mooted, It is kind of negated by the fact that after he defended himself, someone else shot at him three times. <laughs> I mean, the fact that there were three gunshots at Rittenhouse after he defended himself legitimizes his credible, reasonable fear that he was at risk of death or serious bodily injury. But we just saw this. So is the mob, this is the question, this is what the prosecution is arguing. When the prosecution argues that Rittenhouse has no right to defend himself, what the prosecution is arguing is that the mob was privileged and had the privilege, the right to attack him. You can't have it both ways. You can't say it was unreasonable for Rittenhouse to defend himself without also arguing that the parties who were shot at weren't breaking the law. You can't, you can't do it. You just can't do it. If we put up image number nine, Mr. Producer, put up image number nine. Image number nine, this is a self-defense image. You can see here that as Rittenhouse was on the ground, this is Grosskreutz. He's running up to him with a handgun. The question you have to ask, did Grosskreutz, this individual who was not at the, the parking lot, he was not a party to the other alleged crime, did this person have the right to run up on a 17-year-old boy who was laying on the street who had just been kicked Hit in the head and hit in the head with a skateboard. Did he have the right to run up with his gun brandished? The answer is no. He is not law enforcement. And this is the thing even if he was trying to perform a citizen's arrest, a citizen's arrest does not protect you from having anything happen to you. When you exercise a citizen's arrest, and the laws change uh, are different depending on each state, when you exercise a citizen's arrest, all that that does is protect you from the liability, the legal liability of doing so, right? If you are legitimately exercising a citizen's arrest, you are protected in most states from civil liability that would stem from things like false imprisonment, right? So if you if you do a citizen's arrest against someone legitimately and, you, and you've crossed your T's, died your eyes, that person then can't turn around and sue you for falsely imprisoning you, right? The police can't then turn to you 
and arrest you for falsely imprisoning someone. It does not protect you. It does not protect you from potential consequences of trying to exercise that citizen's arrest because absent a declaration where you're holding up a, a, a paper, a warrant or something, you say, I am, ex I am exercising a citizen's arrest. Rittenhouse on the ground doesn't know that. So again, the, the same test comes into play. Was it reasonable for Rittenhouse, having fallen onto the ground, to fear for his life when he saw Grosskreutz running up at him with a handgun? Was it reasonable? Well, first, did he believe it? Yes, he believed his life was in danger, so he opened fire. Was it reasonable? It also was reasonable. And even if, again, even if he had committed a crime, even if the possession of the gun is the crime, he was trying to run away. He was trying to run away. He didn't try and, and, and fight these people. He was trying to escape. He was in the act of fleeing. And he only opened fire when he was sucker punched and ended up falling onto the ground. Again, following the statute to the letter, he only opened fire, he only used deadly force when all avenues of escape were cut off. So Grosskreutz, did, did he have the right to run up and brandish a weapon? Maybe, maybe he would have had the right, maybe he could have had the right to exercise a citizen's arrest. Even if he was wrong, maybe he had that right. But Rittenhouse in that situation also had the right, the privilege to fear for his life and to respond accordingly. Go ahead, put up image number two, Mr. Producer. This is that same person, Grosskreutz. Just want to show this. Just I, I enjoy this picture of him after he shot. Put up image 10. After he is shot, once again, holding his arm, still holding the handgun. All the photographs of Grosskreutz show him holding that handgun. Go ahead and take that down. Let's put up image number three. Here's the other question. The other question we have to ask. Oh, sorry, image 13, image 13. Uh, 11. Sorry, I'm all, I'm all over the place. Go back. Image 11. Sorry, I, I messed up numbers. Image number 11. We also have to ask whether this person, I forget the guy's name. He isn't really worth remembering at this point. Image number 11. Whether in this moment, this person had the right to hit him over the head with a skateboard. Now, 17-year-old on the ground. Who has the right to hurt the other person? Is the skateboarder privileged to try and kill the 17-year-old kid who fell over? Obviously not. Is the 17-year-old kid privileged to defend his life against someone who is hitting him in the head with a skateboard? Yes. When you are being hit in the head with a skateboard, you can, you can reasonably believe that they are trying to either kill you or do serious bodily harm to you. And to argue otherwise is to suggest that he just had to sit there and take it. And if we go to image 12, image number 12, same question. This 17-year-old trying to run away from the mob, even if he just murdered someone, even if he had just murdered someone, which again, I don't believe he did. Does this gentleman who miraculously, I, I think this guy actually survived, believe it or not. I don't think, I don't think he actually, any of the bullets hit him, which is pretty crazy. The question is, 
does this guy who is jumping up and kicking Rittenhouse in the face, does this guy have the right to do it? Does he have the right to run up on a 17-year-old kid on the ground and kick him in the face? The answer is no. Even if Rittenhouse had murdered someone far away because he was fleeing, he had every right to defend his body, his person, against threats of death or serious bodily injury. To argue otherwise is to suggest that anyone uh, accused of a crime by the mob has no right to defend themselves when someone jumps on them and, and kicks them in the face. It just, it's just so cut and dry. It's just so cut and dry. There's another thing I wanted to talk about here. Um, another thing I wanted to talk about, this narrative that's been forming, that Rittenhouse crossed state lines with a gun and he went to riot. That's the narrative that's being presented by both the prosecution and by the political left in this country, that he had brought a gun across state lines deliberately to riot. And I, I, I want to deal with that again because it's just not true. We see in the videos we see of Rittenhouse before he's being attacked, we see him holding a fire extinguisher, trying to put out fires. We see him walking down the sh street shouting medical, asking if anyone needs medical assistance. And we have him on camera, which we've played before. We don't have it today, but we have him on camera. Someone asking him, what's your job here? He says, my job is to help people, is, is to provide medical assistance to anyone who needs it. And this gun is to protect me. That's his statement on camera. It's not hearsay. It's not after the fact. It's on camera right before this event. So to say that he crossed state lines with a gun to riot, as if that's somehow a super crime, it's just a lie. It's also a lie to say that he this wasn't his community because as the Tucker Carlson video showed, he was there earlier that day to clean up graffiti. He worked as a lifeguard in Kenosha. It is very common for people to, to hang out, work, volunteer in cities that aren't actually their city of residence. I mean, tons of people live in New Jersey and commute into work in New York City. The idea that they wouldn't have self-defense rights the minute that they crossed the Hudson, well, New York doesn't believe that they have self-defense rights. But, but the legal argument that that self-defense right disappears the minute you cross the state line, it's just not true. And it shows you how twisted, how warped the left has become. And there's a really big case that just got argued yesterday before the Supreme Court. New York State Rifle and Pistol Association challenging New York State's concealed carry restrictions. They believe that states have the right to just control the Second Amendment, that a state like Illinois can just impose strict gun control, and that when you cross state lines, that inalienable right that's found in the federal constitution doesn't apply because you have to look to the state for guidance. But I want to show this because the argument that Rittenhouse like, traveled to riot, Mr. Brewster, put up image number 14. Image number 14, this is where Rittenhouse lives in Antioch. Um, I'm not, that's not me doxing him. And I didn't put it directly on his house, but publicly available information. He lives in Antioch, Illinois. You can see right there, the Illinois, Wisconsin line. He is right over the border. Kenosha is the nearest major city to where he lives. His commute, if he were to commute this morning, so obviously probably a little bit better at night, but this morning, the commute to get from his house, from Antioch, to Kenosha 
was 32 minutes, 21.1 miles. Go ahead, Ms. Bruiser, take this down. Go to image number 13. Image number 13, this is where Grosskreutz lives. He lives in West Allis, Wisconsin. That is 43 miles away, 43.4 miles away, a 50-minute drive. So he was, this guy, Grosskreutz, he traveled 43 miles with a handgun. And he actually was rioting. And during that rioting, he illegally brandished that gun at a, def a obviously not defenseless, but at a another party who had fallen on the ground after being beaten. So he apparently, according to the left, he was absolutely within his right to do that. But Rittenhouse driving 20, minute, 20 miles, purely using the gun for self-defense. No, that is the crime, they say. So yeah, Rittenhouse's attacker was also armed. Media's kind of hiding that. And Rittenhouse's attacker traveled just twice as far to be there that night. And he only had a weapon for rioting because he was a rioter. Looter, arsonist, whatever you want to call it. That's what he was doing. So I wanted to just, just destroy that narrative. The narrative that Rittenhouse was some kind of, was like, oh, he's interstate travel. It's 20 minutes. Right, hop over the border, the nearest major city. Happens all the time. People in, people in uh, eastern Pennsylvania, they'll work in Trenton, New Jersey. Or vice versa. People in southern New Jersey will work in Philadelphia. I went to school. I, I went to graduate school at Villanova in Pennsylvania. And New Jersey didn't honor, it wouldn't give you any, any uh, concealed carry permit. They wouldn't do it. It said you had to prove a justifiable need. You had to prove a justifiable need to get a, to get a concealed carry permit. And they didn't accept any applications unless you happen to be a judge or, or sleeping with a judge or a police officer, or you could actually prove that you handle large amounts of cash. That was the, that was the, the threshold. So when I was commuting from New Jersey to Villanova, Pennsylvania for grad school for night classes, I got a concealed carry permit. I got a concealed carry permit through the state of Utah. At that point, for, uh, Pennsylvania accepted Utah non-resident permits for reciprocity. So just to draw the picture, me, a resident of New Jersey, want to be able to defend myself when I'm driving around late at night in Pennsylvania, driving through Philadelphia at some points, want to be able to defend myself. God forbid something happened. So I had to go take a class from a instructor that was certified by Utah. Utah gave me permission to carry in Utah, and then that gave me reciprocity in Pennsylvania. The point I'm, sh I'm trying to show with all this is I can see myself in Rittenhouse. Just because I lived in New Jersey doesn't mean that I had no self-defense rights in Pennsylvania. In fact, I had more self-defense rights in Pennsylvania. And that's what Rittenhouse's situation is. Rittenhouse lived in Illinois. He had more self-defense rights in Wisconsin than he did in Illinois. The idea that he somehow, that he somehow was, was breaking the law by trying to breathe free air. That was one of the decisions. It was either going to... My, the, I was looking at night classes. I was either going to go try and go to Seton Hall, which is in New Jersey, or I was going to go to Villanova. Those were kind of the, the, two, the two questions for grad school. And one of the reasons I picked Villanova is because I had the ability to defend myself. I didn't want to be going into inner cities in New Jersey defenseless late at night doing night classes. It's insane. But they claimed that just because he crossed state lines, even though he was crossing state lines with a legal gun, and even though the statute says he had every right to use lethal force. They're arguing that he was some kind of criminal. It really is shameful.
So the trial just went into recess, so we're not going to be able to show that trial, but I highly recommend that you watch bits of it if you can. I want to show a couple other bits of the judge because <laughs> I want to show a couple other bits of the judge because the judge has been pretty has been pretty good. Obviously him kicking out that juror, it feels like his hands were tied. But he, he spent a little bit of yesterday lighting up CNN and the mainstream media for not reporting accurately what's going on in the trial. And at this point, the jury had been taken out of the room. So this wasn't prejudicing the jury. That happens a lot. The jury will be taken out and then the, the judge and the prosecution and the defense can talk freely. I want to play this clip of the judge in this case lighting up CNN. Let's play cut number three. So there's two different parts of the rule. One of them is the defendant has to have been aware of the decedent's violent acts or uh, turbulent behavior. Um, in the other one, it's circumstantial evidence of the victim's violent behavior at the time of the incident. That's what I admitted it on. Now, one of these, this was on CNN, uh, Jeffrey Tubin and uh, another attorney there, and uh, the comment was made that the ruling was incomprehensible. And I think they obviously are not familiar with this rule. That's our law. That's the law in the Jackson case. It's the law in the case of the United States against Craig A. Smith, which is 230 Federal 2nd 300, Seventh uh, Circuit case. So he is going off on the media for criticizing him because as we covered on this show a few days ago, the judge ruled that the prosecution cannot refer to the people that Rittenhouse shot as victims, but the defense can refer to them as rioters, looters, and arsonists if they can prove that they were in the commission of looting or, or rioting or, or, or committing arson. The media exploded on him and said, oh, well, this judge is compromised. And as he said, Jeffrey Tubin on CNN said it was incomprehensible, and he read the law. He read the case law, cited it, said, no, I was, I'm allowed to do this, and I'm, my hands are kind of tied. You see, Rittenhouse, and this is why that video from the FBI is so important, and I, I want to play that again in a second. Rittenhouse, in that moment, knew that they were rioters, knew that they were arsonists. He knew that. Why? We just saw footage of him running with a fire extinguisher. When the accused is seen on camera right before the interaction, the altercation that led to the shooting, when he is seen on camera carrying a fire extinguisher, running over to where the deceased, the assailant, was setting fire to trash cans, it is reasonable in the circumstance to understand that Rittenhouse understood that Rosenbaum was an arsonist. You see, it's one thing, as we've said on the show, Rosenbaum has a criminal history that includes um, abusing children. Rittenhouse wouldn't have known that. Now, in hindsight, we have the ability to see, to kind of explain Rosenbaum's actions because he's no longer here with us to explain them himself. When someone has a history of abusing children, you start to understand why someone might run and chase a child into a dimly lit parking lot. But we can't make that analysis because Rittenhouse didn't know it at the time. Rittenhouse did know, however, that Rosenbaum was an arsonist. He knew from other footage we've played before that he was unhinged, telling people to shoot him, shouting the N-word, even though he is white as white can be. And I want to do this. Mr. Producer, go to my screen. 
lots of lots has been reported that that Rosenbaum was unarmed. If we go to my screen, Mr. Producer, there's been a lot of reporting that Rosenbaum was unarmed. This is new video that again just got released at trial. You're not going to be able to hear it, but you can see that they are pushing dumpsters into the street. And I'm going to point at which one Rosenbaum is, so you can tell he's the shirtless guy. He's right there, and it's hard to see. He is dangling a chain. See that chain in his hand? Let me rewind it a little bit. Right here, look at this shirtless guy. See the chain that he's dangling in his hand? It is alleged from witness testimony, we can take that down, that Rosenbaum was whipping a chain around his head. Now, a chain is a deadly weapon. Many states, when they deal with deadly weapons, they outlaw weapons that incorporate chains, like nunchucks, for example, right? Or a slingshot. Anything that uses a chain, not, not to be confused with a slingshot, a slingshot. Different, a slingshot. Anything that uses a chain or a rope to kind of whip someone with, many states consider that to be a deadly weapon. So when Rosenbaum is out committing arson while whipping around a chain, the argument that he was unarmed goes out the window. Now, I don't know if he was holding the chain when he was chasing down Rittenhouse. Maybe he was, maybe he wasn't. But we can see from earlier interactions, earlier video, before he was shot dead for chasing a 17-year-old into a dimly lit parking lot, he had a weapon in his hand. Yeah, he was shirtless, but he had a weapon in his hand. So the other part I want to play from yesterday, I found that really interesting. I hadn't seen that footage before of, of Rosenbaum walking around swinging a chain like that. The other footage I want to play from yesterday, from yesterday is the judge doing something that pretty much anytime you see the left accuse the judge of doing something unreasonable, just know that they're lying. The judge is, is, is absolutely acting reasonably. To set this up, that footage that we showed you from the FBI, and I do want to play that again, that footage, some of it had voiceovers. People who were taking the footage explaining what was happening, right? So, so the prosecution was bringing live streams people who are live streaming the events, the live streamer commenting, just like we do, on what's happening on screen. The defense rightly argued that that should not be admissible because that's hearsay, right? Showing a jury a video of, of Rittenhouse and then having a third party who wasn't even in the same state and another computer in some other state explaining what's happening, that could prejudice the jury because that is quite literally hearsay. It's their interpretation of what they were seeing. It's, it's irrelevant to the crime. So the judge had to explain hearsay, and the left freaked out over it. Let's play this, Mr. Producer. Cut number four. Occurring on a discussion that you or I might have, if it didn't require the the strict rules that we have in the courts, perfectly, you know, ordinary conversation. But when it gets into court, and this is actually referred to in the in the Bible, Saint Paul, when he was put on trial. Uh, uh, in in, uh, in in this is I think it's Caesarea. Uh, well, it was over in Palestine, uh, in Israel. Um, he was um, he was he was accused of some activity, and he was a Roman citizen, which was not common. But he happened to have been a Roman citizen, and so he had he has rights that we share now as Americans uh, and he see, uh, when they 
tried to put him on trial with evidence from which was being repeated by somebody who, who wasn't there and under oath. He said, where are the witnesses against me? I am a Roman and I have a right to confront my accusers. They should be here. And so that led to actually his voyage to Rome to have his case heard before the emperor. Um, so it's an ancient rule. It's strictly, strictly enforced. So the left hates that for a couple of reasons. One, they hate that the judge referenced the Bible. They think that that alone should get the judge tossed out. But what he's arguing is legitimate. If you're accused of a crime, you have the right to confront your accusers. If you're playing a video of some third party just commenting on what they think is happening in the video, you can't confront that person. You can't confront that person. It's just hearsay. So that is one of the reasons, stretching all the way back to Roman times, why hearsay is not admissible in court because you cannot defend yourself against it because you can't confront the accuser because it's just it's hearsay. He wasn't there. So before we go, I, I do want to play people in the comments saying Hammurabi's code, eye for an eye. Um, I, wa I want to go ahead and play again this un this newly released footage. And Mr. Producer, please do make sure you pot up my volume as soon as you possibly can so I can talk over it. Anyone who missed the first couple minutes, this is the new footage that the FBI was apparently they they found they lost it then they found it and now it's it's here just in time for the trial if this footage had been out months ago Rittenhouse never would have been charged the public would have understood that Rittenhouse was a victim he was being accosted that there were assailants coming after him but yeah they they hid this aerial footage and they tried to hide it let's play let's play cut number one Mr. Producer. So yeah, as we see here, and we mentioned this before, I'm just repeating this for anyone who wasn't here in the first couple minutes. You see Rittenhouse right there in the circle. This was footage that we hadn't seen before. I think we might have seen this, but the FBI created this with Rittenhouse in the circle. Walking down the street, shouting, anybody want medical? Anybody need medical? Anybody need medical? You can see up ahead Rosenbaum with a, a group of people lighting fires to trash cans. So you can actually prove in this video right there that yeah, Rittenhouse saw Rosenbaum committing arson. Uh, and this is the new footage right here, the aerial uh, footage. FBI had aerial footage that night and just didn't tell anyone about it. Claimed that they had lost it. And now conveniently, right before trial, they had aerial footage of the exact parking lot. This is how you, you really have to start asking yourself this. Why was there an FBI aircraft circling the very parking lot that Rittenhouse got chased into. I'll leave other people to figure that out. We see Rittenhouse with Rosenbaum. You can see what Rosenbaum's doing. He's trying to put out fires. And you'll notice here, take close attention here. You see Rittenhouse running through. Someone says, let's get him. Friendly, 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 he shouts. And here you can see the other person coming around. They corner him behind those cars. They corner him behind those cars. Only then does he run away. Only then does he try to escape. And only after being chased in the middle of these cars did he open fire. Hey! You can see there on the bottom right, three extra shots fired at Rittenhouse after he defended himself, giving more credence, more, more legitimacy to the notion that he was reasonably in fear for his life.
Now, it's a little hard to watch. I highly recommend that you guys rewind and rewatch this or go find this footage. Um, this footage, I think Posobiec was one of the first to put this footage out. I highly recommend you go watch it, and, and you might have to rewind it just because they're putting all these different shots next to each other to show you different angles of the same moments and what the FBI aerial footage shows, which, again, I still don't. No one's really asked why the FBI had aerial footage from that day. No one's really asked it. Probably should. Probably should answer that question and why they decided that they had suddenly lost it. But yeah, Kyle Rittenhouse is innocent. Absolutely. It is, it is a slam dunk. It's a slam dunk. I just hope that the jury is going gonna, is gonna to give him a fair shake. Another thing that's a slam dunk, our, our friends at MyPillow, if we go to the MyPillow overlay, Mr. Producer, when you use promo code CD21, Charlie Delta 21 at MyPillow.com, you're going to get up to 66% off your order. That's the best possible discount you can get from MyPillow. And they run different specials. Sometimes they have sheets that are half off. I think the pillows are still the cheapest that they've ever been. Head over to MyPillow. And again, make sure you use CD21, Charlie Delta 21, so that you can get that best discount. And full disclosure, when you use CD21, we do get a small commission when you do it. So you help Mike Lindell. You help the, the great American workers at MyPillow. You give a middle finger to the establishment that's trying to cancel him. And you do help us grow so that we can produce more shows and, uh, and, and better content. So yeah, go to MyPillow.com and use promo code CD21 to get up to 66% back. So that's going to be it for this edition of the podcast. We're going to continue to cover the Rittenhouse trial. Probably not every day. We're not going to be like court TV. But when things that are interesting happen, we're going to try and cover it. Even if it's not a whole day, maybe a half day, maybe we produce special episodes. Because this trial is very, very important. And the fact that it is coming at the same time that the Supreme Court is hearing the New York State Rifle and Pistol Association case challenging the constitutionality of uh, New York's ban, blanket ban, de facto ban on concealed carry applications. It's important. We live at a time where in 43 states now, in 43 states, you have the right to defend yourself with a firearm outside of your home. And the government cannot arbitrarily deny you of that right. But still, in those seven cases that remain, seven states that remain, Massachusetts, New York, New Jersey, Maryland, California, um, Hawaii. Then you got, these are kind of, they're iffy, but Delaware and Connecticut. Those, uh, those seven, eight states, depending on how you count. In those states, government officials can arbitrarily just deny you for whatever reason they want. Right? So even though 43, 43 states out of the country have, shall issue concealed carry permit laws, which means if you apply and you meet all the statutory requirements, they shall issue you the permit. To this day, one in every four Americans continue to live in states that restrict that right. When you add up those states that I just listed, they, the residents of those states make up roughly 25% of the entire country. 25%. So that, this is all coming, at, coming to a head, all at the same time. Rittenhouse, clearly innocent. If Rittenhouse is guilty, then I don't think the, self, the right to self-defense exists at all. Because as we've shown, he literally followed the statute line by line. He didn't deviate once from the self-defense statute. And that's why gun owners, conservatives, are so passionate about this case, because we can see ourselves in him. Yeah, maybe we wouldn't have been out there with a gun late at night during, during a declared riot. Maybe we would, maybe we wouldn't. But we could see us being chased. 
and forced to use deadly force. And the thought that the prosecutor would try and railroad us and try and throw us behind bars, it's unconscionable. So this case is very, very important. So we're going to continue to cover it as this trial unfolds. Right now, the prosecution is making their case. The defense will be up next. So make sure you stay tuned for that. And we're going to try and continue to explain everything, the legal, the legality of it as best we can. So make sure you hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. That's going to be it for this edition of the podcast. If you like it, as I said, subscribe to the audio versions available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Podbean, and Audible, all great places. But make sure if you can to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star review so we can climb up in those rankings. We go live at 11 a.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Eastern. So make sure you tune in for that. And if you need a little reminder, you can sign up for our text alert system by texting the word FREEDOM to 89517. FREEDOM to 89517. And you'll get added to our text alert system. And you'll get an update right before we go to air telling you what we're talking about and how, when, and where you can watch it. Also, there's a link in our description to sign up for our email newsletter. Very, very important. If you haven't done that, please, please do. That's going to be it for this edition of the podcast. My name is Max McGuire. Remember, everyone, that the fight to take back our, our country is not over yet. But the only way we win is if we all stand up and fight together.